As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portstein with you on a, geez, I think it's Wednesday afternoon in Dallas, Texas. Good friend Dave Metzl of Valley Sports Ohio is with us today. Hello, Dave. Hello, Porty. Good to be with you in the big state of Texas. Yeah, you made it in okay. I assume you guys got in late last night, eh? We did get in late last night. Ooh. Yeah, the plane had some sort of minor issue that delayed our departure, but we made it, so we're fine. Amen. Um, I just got in myself. The Blue Jackets had a optional skate this morning. I, I think the late arrival last night had something to do with it, too, but I think if you watch this team play lately, uh, you'll recognize some weary legs. Um, they, they may be tired in the mind as well. Uh, we've got some news to get to, to uh, first here. Uh, as we all unfortunately uh, experienced and remember from this summer, uh, the tragic fireworks uh, mishap death of Matisse Kivleniak, 4th of July. Uh, that police report has been uh, with the prosecutor's office in Novi, Michigan, for well, ever since the end of July. And today, uh, the prosecutor's office has concluded its review and a statement from Novi Police Lieutenant Jason Meyer. The Oakland County Prosecutor's Office has concluded its review of the fireworks-related death of Blue Jackets goalie Matisse Kivleniak and have ruled the death accidental and will not pursue any charges. The case is now closed. should say that this has always been seen by the police department, Dave, as an accidental um, death. This I'm I'm hoping. I've not talked to Manny. Um, a colleague spoke to to Elvis this morning. He he didn't really want to discuss this either. You hope something like this, if if there can be such a thing as closure, maybe this helps provide 
hit that there are, that there are no further ramifications from something like this as awful as it was. Yeah, I agree, and and it was it was something we all thought about uh, as we processed what had happened. Was oh my gosh, uh, where's it going to go from here? Because there were so many different trails it could have gone down, and a lot of them would have been very very negative for a lot of people. And and yes. uh, I, that was frankly after after. Uh, realizing what had happened, I was very concerned about where yep. it was going to go next. So uh, I guess this news does bring closure for an awful lot of people. Yeah, it, it for sure does. And the, the police report, uh, they sent it out as they promised, heavily redacted. Um, from what I could tell after a, a rough read of it, uh, before we did this podcast, um, there's really everything that's been reported so far is factual. There's really no further uh, information on there that needs to be made public not protecting anybody it's just there's nothing there that doesn't seem to be already known so uh yeah no charges um, it, the the uh accident of course occurred at the home of blue jackets goaltending coach Manny legacy Elvis Mersley was a witness and there were several people at the party and uh, apparently it will be Closed and no longer pursued. So, so there we have it. Back to hockey, if we could. Um, Dave, this has been a rough stretch uh, for the Blue Jackets. You knew it was coming. Many expected this to be what it looked like from the very start. But let's talk about last night's game in Nashville. A 6 nothing loss, and we can go back from there. Because uh, this th- that was almost a continuation of sort of hints we've seen in previous games here. Um, where the Blue they just looked nervous, apprehensive, afraid to make a play in their own zone. We we've seen it before. We saw it a lot last year. Um, boy, that was a worrying game last night. Three nothing after the first period. It ends six nothing. Really wasn't competitive once Nashville cranked it up in the first period and realized they could pressure the Blue Jackets into a, into some pretty gaudy turnovers. Well, and I'm wondering if that isn't starting to be the book on this young team. We, we've seen it in periods, in stretches. There was, uh, you know, there have been stretches against the Rangers where, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Even even early on, I came up in Detroit. Whoa, what what's going on here? Uh, but they've managed to right the ship, and they've managed to find a good period or a good stretch that allows them to stay competitive or win the game. Uh, and you saw this start to slip a little bit further, I think, in the game that they won against Vancouver, which they all acknowledge. I mean, Gus Nyquist comes out after that game against Vancouver and acknowledges we stole that one. Yeah. And then St. Louis grabbed hold of things in the second period. And last night, 40, I think, was the first time that we saw this young Blue Jackets team get dominated for 60 minutes. I mean, dominated talent-wise, dominated physically, just unable to get their confidence to a place where they could sustain anything. And uh, they didn't have an answer for for much that Nashville did. Nashville's really talented. Yeah. Uh, you know, Forsberg, my God, four goals. He 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 uh, made a definite statement for being re-signed. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw David Poyle down in the hallway, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping he was going and looking for the contracts because no wow, what a performance by him. But uh, yeah, it was you know maybe something that we expected we might see out of this team earlier. Now it'll be interesting to see how they respond to it and if if they can find a way out of it in two more really tough games on this road trip against really tough teams. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. And the, the one thing that was troubling to me last night is that you're watching, I, I started making a note of the of the plays in their own zone where you're like, boy, that just, 
there's a play right there to be made. Again, it's easy from upstairs, but there's a play right there to be made, and that's the play that they've been making all season. But there's something that goes on in, where you, you try to be too quick with it or you try to slow down with it and just calm yourself down. You take too much time. But it wasn't just Cole Sillinger. It wasn't Chinikov. It wasn't just the kids. It was Boone Jenner. It was Voracek. Um, I mean, there were some hellacious. Zach Wierenski had a huge yeah. turnover at center ice to fuel it. Maybe that, huh, I mean, they should be a pretty mobile back end, but it's, it's not just the, the, the fence that gets you out of your zone. It's the, it's the you know, working as a five-man unit, the forwards as well. Maybe the, you touched on this earlier. Maybe this is the book on them. Is this is this like the one? The, this is the, how you attack the Blue Jackets. Well, it's something that uh, that Jake Porchek hinted at last night. Is they have difficulty with big, heavy teams. Right. And uh, I know I know you asked Brad Larson about that. He goes, "Well, I don't, I don't check the heights and weights." Well, you don't have to check the heights and weights. You no. can see them with their physical dominance, and and that was certainly a part of it. I, Troubling for me was that that third goal, the, the second one of the two in nine seconds that, uh, uh, you know, Elvis goes back behind the net. He tries to stop it and misses it, goes over in the corner, and everybody puck chases in the corner and leaves yeah. Forsberg wide open in the middle of the ice. Right. Like, what, what, what's going on here? What are you doing? Uh, it just was very uncharacteristic from that point forward. Really, from after the, the best shift of the game was the first shift of the game where Corrales line started the game. They had a good shift. Yep. And after that, they, uh, they couldn't grab hold of anything. When it felt to me like early in the season when they had, would have these moments, you mentioned the Rangers game, it seemed like it was the Corrali Robinson and whoever was that other winger. Last night it was uh, Danforth at first and then Texier. That was the line that kind of recalibrated everything for the Blue Jackets. Hey, guys, get the puck down there and play with it, and let's start making this a routine rather than just surviving, chucking it out, getting off, and letting the next team, letting the next group uh, – hold on for dear life in the, in the defensive zone. It, I'm not sure. It feels like they're all waiting for someone else to grab it, too. And, and that, that's, a, that's a troubling sign. The, the, the physical play, I, I, this is an interesting thing for me. And I, I think they handled the Ronaldo situation fine. I, I'm sure some people have strong opinions on that as well. Refresher, he would not get vaccinated. So the Blue Jackets basically said, Stay away from training camp. And they wouldn't let him go to Cleveland, too. They're still paying him. He's under contract to the Blue Jackets. They don't want him anywhere around as long as he's not vaccinated. Get it. Um, but that signing is an admission by this team that they felt they needed someone like that. They don't just hand out two-way contracts to 30-plus old players. That, that's, an, that's a move with intent. They felt they may need that. And you, all you got to do is go back and read the quotes from the, the day that they signed Ronaldo uh, and talked openly about maybe putting him in the lineup against tougher, more physical Western teams. Now, I don't think Zach Ronaldo helps them get out of their zone last night. He's not that player. But there was some stuff I didn't like seeing around the ice where they're getting pushed around and bumped around, and it's on Gavin Bayreuther to step up for Jake Voracek and fight. Look at who's been lost here, Dave. Right. Josh Anderson, gone. Dubois, gone. Uh, Savard, gone. Nick Foligno, gone. Uh, Seth Jones is a big guy. I'm not talking fighting, fighting, fighting. I'm just talking big guys who can shove it back and can be intimidating in their size and play. This team has gotten small. 
And I wonder if that's part of the book now, too. And they they don't have a guy who responds. We've seen that countless times. The hit on Adam Boquist last night. Or, well, yeah. hello. Yeah. I put, he's got his, his face shoved into the boards, and there was yeah, really no, no big response no. Uh, from behind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eric Robinson tried to come to Sean Corrales' aid yep. uh, there in the third period against Bovietsky, but but good Lord. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> and it wasn't very yeah. effective, right? No. So they just they don't have that guy. And I don't know the mindset of an opposing team when you're playing against a team that doesn't have somebody who can respond when it gets too physical or when you get a little bit too rough with a guy like Adam Boquist or Oliver Bjorkstrand or whoever it may be. I don't know what that mindset is. If that says, all right, let's just put the hammer down here, boys. But it's certainly uh, the equation certainly fits, doesn't it? That, yeah, OK, well, they're not going to respond. Let's go. Let's let's uh, let's hammer away. Yeah. And when they played Washington the first time, didn't really notice Tom Wilson. Uh, when they played Vegas, I didn't really know. I'm not uh, the Rangers. I didn't really notice Ryan Reeves. Right. And I'm, I suspect you will the next time. That, that seemed like an omission on their part because that is that would seem to be a soft spot by this team. They've got a guy in the minors who I love, um, Brett Gallant. He currently yeah. only has an AHL contract. Now, if you bring him up, you're bringing him up for one purpose. You know, full respect to Brett Gallant. Um, but I do wonder if you, if you don't give that guy a two-way contract and just play with 11 forwards and have him there as an insurance policy if you need it, because that dude is as tough as they come and will fight anybody. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But uh, one other issue I wanted to get to you get with, with you today on. Um, Canada announced its USA World Junior roster. And I don't I don't know that people, unless you've been in Canada or or follow Canadian close hockey closely. I don't know that people fully understand how big the World Junior Championship is to Canada. It's immense. Yeah, it's and, the NCAA tournament. That's the, it, that's the only know, way that's, I can equate it for people. That is perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. And it happens right in the middle of the NHL season. It starts the day after Christmas. It goes into January. Uh, it is a big deal. There are Canadian kids that dream of being in the World Junior before they even dream of being in the NHL. Usually the two go hand in hand because those are the best kids of their age group. Um, Cole Sillinger is a Columbus Blue Jacket. It's an incredible story. He's the youngest guy in the NHL, 18 years old. For a while, it seemed like a no-brainer. He was is an impact player in the NHL. It's great that he can be here. But this whole thing, we have been told, and it should be only about his development, purely his development, not Blue Jackets' wins and losses, but how this kid is brought along. 
Team Canada's roster came out today. Kent Johnson, the Blue Jackets, number five overall pick last year, is in Baltimore, Michigan. Cole, Cole Sillinger is not. He's not invited, not because he's not worthy. For sure he would be there. Not invited because he's in the NHL now. The Blue Jackets could release him to Team Canada, and he could play there. But he's in the NHL now, so he's not going to get that opportunity. I'm kind of torn on this one. Because I think an NHL team needs to be selfish with its talent. If this kid deserves to be here, then this is where he should be. But if you talk about life experiences, long-term development, what are your thoughts on where Cole Sillinger should be? uh, Starting pretty soon, that camp opens in a week or so. Uh, but most importantly, where he should be the day after Christmas when Canada starts playing for the World Junior. Well, they, they've changed. My, my feelings have changed it, it, because I think we're seeing this team start to show uh, its true colors, I guess, a little bit and starting to show maybe a little bit of that road weariness. And maybe now the little, the nice, nice uh, little Cinderella story we had to begin the season is starting to become a little harder to read. And how will that impact Cole Sillinger, who will be with the Blue Jackets at the Christmas break and wishing, maybe wishing, I don't know, I can't get inside his head. You talked to him the other day. Um, but if if this thing continues to spiral in its current direction, then you look at a kid like Cole and you're like, man, you really feel for him being in the situation that he's in when all of his buddies, let's put it that way, all of his buddies that he grew up with come all the way through every system are playing for his country, right? They're playing for Canada. So that's where I would start to feel for him is if this thing continues to go in the direction that it's gone the last two or three games. And now he's realizing, reading the handwriting on the wall and realizing, wow, this could be a really long finish to this season. Uh, it would have been nice to have this present present under my tree to look forward to, but it doesn't sound like right now, like that's going to happen. Yeah. You look at his ice time starting in November, he was 16. 1642, 1531, 1757, 1633. Now you look at his last five games, 1208, or sorry, 1251, 1208, 1349, 1323, 1204. I might send him. Yeah. I might send him. I mean, Roslovic's picked it up a lot for me in the last couple of weeks. I think he's a better player now than he was at the start of the season and also you wonder what kind of a kid you're going to get back to after going mm-hmm. through that experience you know what will he be even that much uh, more polished having right. played against that level of competition in a really a, a really high level high energy high expectations type atmosphere um you know what what do you get when you come back okay now you got a guy who's refreshed when he comes back in the middle of january or the second week of january and he's He's eager to to contribute any way that he can. I also think you have to worry about a, a kid like this that hasn't had any back steps in his development, maybe ever. And it would need to be made really clear, I think, that that he's not he's not not in the NHL because he can't play in the NHL right now. He's just this is part of the this is part of the process. This would be a great great experience for you to go and enjoy yourself. Uh, I've got to call into Team Canada. I, I would assume it's too late if you're not invited now. They've got to make plans for all of this sort of stuff. I think they go in a bubble in two weeks. Um, so it, it's a it's short notice. But it, it yeah, I feel for the kid because we've all had those moments in life. You live a, a, an abundant and wonderful life where you really want to be in two places at one time. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, and I know that's where the kid's at. His, he's, he's always dreamed of playing in the World Junior. And the, the other sad thing is he missed the World Under-18s uh, last year because he had COVID and wasn't allowed in the bubble. So the only chance, the only chance this kid's going to get to play for Canada is in the Olympics, maybe, uh, or the World Championships. But uh, kind of a kind of a tough, you know, juxtaposition for the Blue Jackets, if you will. So we've dealt with with um, sort of where they're at right now. This this trouble they're having getting going. Uh, joined by Dave Metzold, Valley Sports. We want to. It's it, they're twenty games in, which is about the quarter pole of the season. Um, and I think if you, if you asked anybody, would you take a 12 and eight start for the blue jackets? You'd get a, some variation of, Oh, hell yeah. Um, it's been a, uh, they're an upstart team in the national hockey league. And I wonder if we could go back and forth, Dave, with just some of the aspects of this team that have really impressed us or, or things, things we weren't sure of that have been eye opening uh, to this point. Um, I'll let you start because it's kind of all over the ice. There's a lot of examples here. Yeah. Um, they've really been a, a positive crew, the, the recent stretch notwithstanding. Right. The, the, the thing that jumps out at me and, and did jump out at me almost right from the start, well, literally right from the start because they scored eight goals in the opener, was their ability to score goals, their ability yeah. to score goals on the power play, their ability to score goals when they were behind, their ability to get goals from all kinds of different people on the ice. Uh, not just an Oliver Bjorkstrand, not just Patrick Laine, not just Jake Voracek. In fact, Jake Voracek had tr- had trouble getting a goal. He was assisting on a lot of them, but he couldn't get a goal. It was from everybody. The young kids were scoring. Chinnikov was scoring. Sillinger was scoring. They, it, they were coming from all over the place. Uh, Sean Corrali had a two-goal game, for God's sakes. I mean, this team all of a sudden broke out of its John Tortorella defensive-minded shell and was scoring goals, top 10 in the NHL. To me, that's what really... Uh, opened my eyes about the way they started was okay they've they've obviously changed enough in the way they do things so it's going to be opened up a little bit and if they get down a goal or two which let's be honest in the torch years once they were down two goals you're like that's it done and and it doesn't seem to be that way with this team certainly the last two or three games notwithstanding but uh that's been the eye opener for me and it's been fun there there have been nights in in nationwide arena that that Colorado game, man, that was fun. People yeah. were having a good time. Yep. Uh, and and it, you know, our our old buddy Larry Larson and I used to talk about how important it was for the Jackets not only to play well on Friday and Saturday nights, but not send the folks home disappointed. That's send right. them home like they'd been entertained. And man, they had really done that because of their ability to score goals. So uh, that would be the first thing for me that that has really jumped out. Yeah, despite being shut out last night in Nashville, six nothing. The Blue Jackets are seventh in the league in scoring, three point two five per game, um, and and you mentioned it. I'll 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 go with him on this one. I call it the Jake effect because I think that uh, the bringing Jake Voracek into that room has aided this, has aided the confidence and levity in the room for sure. He's a yep. really respected veteran. They needed his playmaking on the ice as well. But this is a guy who I think has made a bunch of people around him better. Um, Patrick Laine really benefited from Jake Voracek. That power play, you just you can see him coaching on the ice. Yeah. Um, as the puck's moving around, he's directing and, and coaching. He, he, I'm not sure how he would have done 
under Tortorella. Probably not. It may not have been a great mix. I'm not sure. But he's he's got the leeway here. This coaching staff is comfortable enough to let him sort of grab things a bit and run it himself because he's done it for a long time. Uh, I think Jake Voracek deserves a ton of credit for a lot of the offensive buoyancy that this club has shown um, in, in the early going. And let's go back to last night. You know, we all sat in the post-game media rooms, Porty, where, oh, man, these guys are not going to be happy. And and Jake comes into that room, and not only was he not down and wanting to get out of the room as soon as he could, he was answering the questions yes. um, with 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 real substance, right? Real answers to what he thought the problem was last night. He wasn't down about it. He's right. been there before. He's been through every situation. And he said, this is what needs to happen. This is what happened tonight, and this is what needs to happen to correct it. I, I really respected him for the way he handled that because, again, you've got a guy who's got his years in the league who's been through those media sessions after a loss before. First thing he wants to do is answer the last question and get the hell out of there. That's and right. he did not. He, had, he he stayed and answered every question and answered it with substance. And, and I think that's part of the leadership that he brings. I'll tell you one other quick story about Jake. Yeah. Go all the way back to the preseason. Uh, we were doing a, a one-on-one kind of a fancy setup interview with, uh, with Cole Sillinger. And Cole came in and he was like five minutes late. And he said, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I'm late. I was sitting in the hot tub with Jake. And he was telling me how, how old he was when I was born. And I'm like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that makes a young wow. kid appreciate the veteran, yes. right? Like, right. it's just, it's so funny. Uh, but, but right from the start, right from training camp, that's the influence he's had on these guys. And I think this is really interesting. Jake Borchek from Kladno, Czech Republic. Yarmir Yager from Kladno, Czech Republic. And their careers, Vorchek's not going to play 3,000 pro hockey games like Yaramir. Still playing, by the way. Um, but Yager was, was, was kind of not taken seriously early in his career. And then as he got older and really committed himself, the people who played around him, they were just magnetized to him because he was such an impressive guy. Yeah. Ask Jody Shelley about that. Jody oh, will tell you that. Yep. And Jake Voracek was that guy in Philadelphia. And that was absolutely eye-opening for him. But Voracek has this demeanor where a lot of people think he's a goofball. And it kind of pisses him off a little bit. The people that I think sometimes he thinks people don't take him seriously. But the guys in that room take him seriously while acknowledging that he knows how to have a good time. Yeah. But he, he, boy, they'll lose, they would lose a practice game, just some silly game in practice to decide who has to do extra laps. And he would be pissed raw that they lost. And I think he's trying to instill that sort of passion around the room. Uh, but he is a truth teller and has always been a truth teller in his post-game comments. So good on him there. What else you got? Mike? Well, goaltending. Uh, and I think we knew the goaltending had to be good, but I thought we, I thought it would be more balanced, to be honest with you. I think yeah. Elvis is the guy who's clearly grab the reins here to the point where I, there are nights where you kind of feel bad for Corpy, especially when he lets in one that he probably wishes he had back. But right. uh, Elvis has clearly grabbed, grabbed the, uh, grabbed the number one job. And I think wants to grab an even tighter grip on us. He told us that the other night, he still doesn't feel like he's the number one. He doesn't feel like he's the number one. He wants to get better. Um, Cause he lets in some soft ones and, and, you know, maybe let in a, a soft one or two last night. So, um, but I think if you're just taking that little picture, that little snapshot of the first 
19 or 20 games, you have to give Elvis a lot of credit for where they are. Yeah. So when this season started, I don't think either of us thought that this was the worst team in the league, as some people did. But there were some huge question marks, and maybe there still are, uh, down the middle, at center, and on the right side of their defense. We've talked a lot about Sillinger, how impressive it is that he can fill one of those spots. I want to go to Jake Bean, who is, is kind of ruining my point by not being next to Wierenski right now. He wasn't yeah. a game ago. But the fact that Jake Bean has been able to play and in focus now, able to fill that spot next to Wierenski without a huge drop-off um, has been really eye-opening to me. Because you, you, Bokrist is 21 years old. Um, that is that's that is pretty damn impressive. That's almost as impressive as an 18-year-old second or third line center. Um, Jake Bean is a small guy who can be taken advantage of physically. He's got to get bigger and stronger. They know this. But he's a young guy, too. Um, the fact that this team has lost Seth Jones and David Savard from the right side of their D within the last calendar year and is okay is pretty impressive. It's a testament to Bean, uh, to the guys that have filled that role, but it's also a testament to, to Zach Wierenski exactly. and how he has stepped up. Um, he's a much more well-rounded defenseman now. Looks like he's a leader on the blue line. We just wrote about this a couple days ago. Um, he is an impactful player in in both directions. Uh, so their defense, which uh, you you thought has a huge question mark on it, and I think four of the six are 24 years old or younger, which is crazy. Wierenski's like this third oldest guy on the blue line. I don't know if you saw the stat either, but Wierenski's played almost as many games as all five other defensemen yeah. combined in the NHL. Yeah. Like that's how young this group is. And they're doing okay, the last few games notwithstanding. They're doing okay. Uh, yeah, they've, they've had a couple of bumps. Uh, um, Gavrikov was a uh, minus four the other night. And so, you know, he wants to get rid of that as quickly as possible. But I, I, I agree with you. And and how many times did Hortz tell us that, you know, the good defenseman, when he was talking about Seth and uh, and Zach, you know, the good defensemen don't really develop into great defensemen until they're 27, 28 years old. And you got a couple of – you got four youngsters back there who are all right. learning on the job, literally. And uh, big expectations, playing on the power play oh. uh, and playing against other teams' top uh, top lines, really big expectations placed on them. And and you've, you've left out Andrew Peake, who I think – has kind of come out of whatever the hell happened to him last year, Forty, and is really uh, responding by trying to be a more physical defenseman, trying to be a little bit of a puck mover as well, and growing as well right in front of us. He, he's never played uh, this many games, that uh, certainly not consecutively at the NHL level, and now he's become a regular part of that blue line as well. So I, I think you have to throw him in there as, as one of the guys who's really growing back there on the blue line. And, and I've been impressed with him on nights and there's been other nights where it's like, okay, he's still got some work to do, but, but he, he's, I think he is grabbing the opportunity that is being given to him. Finally, you and I talked about that so many times last year, like where, oh, where is peak? What are they, what are they doing to this guy? Why are they burying him? So uh, I'm I'm happy for him that he's getting that opportunity. It just I, I don't want to get, get too riled up about last year, but if ever there was an opportunity to let someone figure it out in the NHL, that was it last year. Yeah. And you're wheeling, and I love Del Zotto, but this is a free agent you know is not coming back. 
why are you wheeling him out there? And this kid you think is part of your future, a second round draft pick, is sitting. Like there's just nothing more damaging to a kid than sitting. Right. He should he should have been in Cleveland playing if he wasn't here playing. Right. Um, and he was nowhere playing. I don't know how many games he played last year, but it's like you, you if somebody were injured and played that few games, you'd say, God, this is awful because it's almost a whole year of development that he lost. Well, this yeah. was at the club's doing that he lost all of this development time in a season when they should have been doing nothing but developing after the first couple of months when it was a, a lost cause. Yeah, um, I think he played 11 games last oh year, and he's, he's doubled yeah. that already. It's insane, yeah. Um, anything else stand out to you? Um, you covered quite a bit. Well, I, I, let's let's just go with a big, broad umbrella. Um, I think... I think uh, Brad Larson has brought an approach to that room and that mm-hmm. bench that a lot of those veteran players really appreciate. And if you listen closely, Patrick Line said something early on in the year about, you know, it's a fresh air. There's fresh air blowing through the dressing room right now. Um, Max Domi said the other night, I asked him a question, not the other night, Helen was probably 10 days ago, but it seemed like it was the other night. Um, I, I asked him about, um, the fact that Lars at that time was was holding on to his lines a little bit longer and, and not as quick to change him. And he said, yeah, it's nice when you have a coach who has trust in you and believes in you, and he sticks with these lines a little bit longer and allows us to build a little bit of chemistry. Um, you hear comments like that, and this is not to throw Torts under the bus because I had a lot of respect. For, I have a lot of respect for Torts. I had a lot of respect for what he did with the Columbus Blue Jackets and his particular approach, but I think Players who played under that system now feel as though they've been unleashed a little bit. And I think credit there goes to, to Brad Larson and his coaching staff for recognizing that some of these guys uh, need a little more leash and need the opportunity to go out and maybe make a mistake and not realize or not feel like they're, they're going to have to pay for it uh, by turning a puck over, by making an errant pass. So uh, I, that's that's the other thing that I've noticed. And maybe that ties into my very first point about goal scoring. Maybe that's why mm-hmm. they've freed themselves up enough so that they can actually make some creative plays and score some goals. I think it's important to know too, that this is a different coaching staff for a different time. Like when Torts was here, the objective was playoffs was this is a team, especially in 2019 that they thought could win it all. That's what you're going for. Yeah. This is, this is not that. And is, and, and I think Lars, it's a ton of credit right from the start when he got the job and the way he handled the, uh, the awful kid Lennox thing, that, that sends a message through the room as well, just the humanity of the person. John Tortorella would have done a similar thing, I'm convinced of it, but it really helps entrench you with guys in that room emotionally. Um, I think there's a light air with Brad Larson, which is interesting because sometimes when you keep a guy on staff from the previous staff, especially a guy who's seen to be so connected to the head coach sometimes it doesn't feel like a like a change but i think larson's done a really good job of sort of forging his own direction you mentioned keeping the lines together i think that's been a big thing for a lot of guys um i also think the other element of this is lars is a teacher and his top assistant uh, pascal vincent is a really good teacher who not just knows how to get a point across, but knows how to do it in a way that players really respect. Um, there were Winnipeg guys lining up to say hello to Pascal Vincent um, when they saw him in Columbus just a week or so ago. Yeah, He is a really impressive guy. 
who I suspect is going to be an NHL head coach somewhere soon. Um, but I, yeah, the coaching staff, I think, deserves a ton of credit for the the way that this team plays, but also just sort of the attitude, the temperature that's been built around the franchise. Yeah. You also got to credit a guy like Gus Nyquist, who was gone all year last year. Yeah. Veteran guy, not a flashy guy, not a guy who's going to be a 40-goal scorer anytime soon, but a guy who, who really, uh, you know, uh, I think gets the most out of his colleagues. And when he sees something that needs to be addressed, Jody Shelley told the story early in the year about uh, about uh, Gus Nyquist going to Jack Roslovic last year and saying, hey, Jack, you're not working hard enough. And Jack said, what are you talking about? And Gus went on to tell him why he didn't think he was working hard enough. And you need a guy like that. You need a, a player who can respectfully tell another player, a teammate, you're all pulling on the rope the same way. Look, you, you got to work a little bit harder. Um, and I think Gus has really helped again with this team that's so darn young. He has uh, been another one like Jake, not quite to the same degree as Jake, but but has been another one who can be a coach on the bench or on the ice. Yeah, and I, I it's taken him a while to get get the rust off from last year, which yep. is only only to be expected. He's had a few games where I thought he deserved a better reward uh, than he got for his play. He's been a good player for them lately. Yeah, I agree. Betsy, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Always good to hear your voice. Thanks for weighing in on the uh, All Topics Blue Jack. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Anytime you need me, as as uh, as uh, you know, you used to appear on my radio show a lot, Forty. So uh, I, I still, I think, I owe you about a hundred. So whatever you need me. <laughs> All right, let's just make it a regular gig, eh? Sure. Yeah, there no you problem. Go. All right, thanks, man. I'll see you out there, Rink, tomorrow. Sounds good. See you. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, this has been Front and Nationwide. We'll be back with you next week. Um, yeah, so lots going on at Blue Jackets Land. It's going to be an interesting stretch. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you again soon. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.